Hello and welcome to the fourth in our series of podcasts, G11 podcasts from uh, Rough Copy Media. To my left, uh, making his debut on the podcast <laughs> is Sam Shedden. Hello. And on my right is, let's call him a stalwart of the G11 podcast, Cal McMillan. Always oh, like your stalwart. <laughs> Brilliant, well now you are. Uh, okay, guys, what's on the docket for today? We've got the TV debate, challenges debate, I should say. Uh, the fallout for the three female leaders, I think, has taken a bit of a, a hit in the press. Uh, the, there was a migrant boat that, what was it, 700, 700 people, yeah. yeah, died in the in the Med, um, trying to cross from Libya to Italy. Fantastic, and also Katie Hopkins' thoughts on that, so I think that needs to get discussed, and Callum's got his own sort of drum to bang about it. Yeah, Woolly liberal rant incoming. Brilliant, fantastic. So, uh, who's who's first? Who's going to do BBC first? Yeah, go for it. Head BBC. It. So, uh, it, it was alright actually. I enjoyed a lot of it. I did spend a lot of time borderline screaming at my television at Farage for being a single issue fascist. In fact, I'm just going to call him that from now on. I'm not going to give him a name. I don't think he deserves that kind of recognition. The single issue fascist made me so ridiculously angry. There's so many other people ridiculously angry because he's an idiot. And I love that thought that would make the rounds of everybody who's vaguely lefty going and having a wee shake of hands immediately after him. He's left out there. Oh, yeah. Someone on the right, like the absolute. Just say it. No. Do you think. (laughs) Would you, if it was up to you, would you have banned Farage from going on the debate? Well, if it was up to me, the media wouldn't have given him enough coverage to make him somebody that would be worth going on in debate. But it's not for me to ban him from the debate. I'm not trying to enforce that only woolly liberal views like mine should be the, the only things that are shown. If, if he has been deemed popular enough by polarizations and all the kind of research that, that he's worth putting on it, that's fine. But, because that's freedom of speech, but freedom of speech means there's a consequence to the things you're saying. The consequence for him is my foot so far up his ass can <laughs> taste my toe. Well, here's the thing about Nigel Farage, though. I mean, I thought he did. I thought he was bad in the debates. I thought it was the most uncomfortable I'd seen him look. But the thing is, he still, and the snap polls afterwards, he still polled very well because yeah. it just, and the whole format, he was the only right-wing person there, which was great for him because it just stokes up the, like, it's me against them, you know, yeah. the political yeah. establishment, his kind of lone uh, lone wolf thing that he likes to portray and that, you know, I don't know. He's it just what everyone's thinking. He says that an awful lot. Oh, common said, sense. When yeah. he says he's... He's saying what I'm thinking, it makes me want to vomit the, everywhere. The thing, like, so it was good to be there, though. Yeah, no, I think... Um, so it was the only right-wing view. And in many ways, yes, I think that we, we need we need a lot of views. So in, in this environment that we're in, where he has a certain amount of clout, largely because of, I think, uh, over-exaggerated media stuff to do with how important UKIP are, He's now got a bit of clout, yeah. so he's perfectly entitled to be there. I but I, I, I refuse to endorse or like anything he says or him. I think what I would add to that is um, you've got to have the conversation. It's always better to have the conversation, no matter how fucking ridiculous it might be. Then you've got to have it. So hopefully the plan is like you let Farage talk, let him throw his tuppence worth in, the people and, and then dismiss it and go right. Well, that guy's clearly off his nut. So let's yeah, let's go here now. Let's talk to Natalie Bennett about something. I think the the only problem I had with Farage going on in debates was I don't even know how kind of much this was talked about, but there was rumblings of Farage, Miliband, Cameron, and Clegg, SNP. And no Greens and no Plaid Cymru for a wee while, and it was like, no, you can't, you can't have UKIP and not Greens because 
they're both as marginal as each other, to be honest. Yeah, if we're talking about this, I still think it's a disgrace that uh, that Northern Ireland's not been represented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they I mean, the, the, the DUP have, I could be wrong, I don't know, I think it's four or five West, Westminster uh, seats. Uh, the Greens have one. Yeah, yeah. UKIP have two recent, from by-election, you know, defections from the Tory party. I just, I don't understand. I just think it's, if if the whole point, particularly with the mainstream Westmin, uh, Westminster parties, is they want to promote, you know, unity and you know, the, the family of nations that is Great Britain, why the hell are the Northern Irish not invited? Like, <laughs> this, this fucking it thing. doesn't make any yeah. sense. Um, and then we up here moan about how we're marginalised. Yeah. Aye. Aye. <laughs> well, that, that was another thing that got kind of teased out in the run-up to Indiref was if Scotland go independent, then, you know, Northern Ireland and Wales, what have they got to say about it? But it was kind of swept under the carpet, like, oh, fuck them, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, like like you said, why is there no Irish parties at all? Not even mentioned in these kind of debates. There is one. Ah, is it? What is it? D, there's DUPs. There is one of the Irish parties though that have a number of seats, but don't Sinn, take them up. Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin never, never, because they don't obviously. Yeah. So staunch I, Republican, yeah. so they'll never go and take yeah. their seat. That's what said, so yeah. obviously, inviting them would have been just just point redundant exercise, really, yeah. wouldn't it? True. But DUP, I think, should have had a. Had a presence. Well, that same logic. Why would why invite, you know, Plaid Cymru or mm. SNP? Okay, they will take up their seats, yeah. but their end goal, they don't want to be part yeah. of the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think the SNP have done phenomenal because they've just they've got so much headlines this whole campaign, um, and Nicola Sturgeon on the debates continues to do well, continues to shine. Um, you know, she's been getting growing sympathy among, among English voters who... She's almost in a class of her own. And in terms of being an, an auditor, I should say, rather than being like 100% behind her as like a politician or reviews of that, but in terms of performance as an auditor and being on and also being really cool under pressure. I just think, I just thought she looked so shocked because she's had so many years of like, you know, the indie ref campaign really lasted for about two years. Yeah. I know she, Salmon was leading it. Um, you know, and then also, also she gets all the kind of uh, Scottish leader debates and stuff. I just thought she was looking really sharp and was totally on yeah. her game. Um, Would you say she looked as sharp as the Herald were suggesting in their excellent column where they spent time discussing her dress? The best, the best, I say this in inverted commas, broadsheet in Scotland ran a piece on Nicola Sturgeon's dress in the BBC Challengers debate. That is top class journalism, well done. See, that, that's the kind of thing that you would expect from someone like the Daily Mail and I've actually seen it recently they were talking about run up to GE and Eddie Izzard who's quite a quite a staunch Labour supporter but obviously came out in uh, a dress or in a skirt I think he had on because he's a transvestite and they were like oh god look at this and it's like who gives a fuck and then like you said I wouldn't expect it from the Herald man but I, I was disappointed big fan did it anyway and it's just it's, I was disappointed in the Herald Oh, well, you were talking about the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail does trump everyone, in my opinion, for post-election, uh, sorry, post-debate ridiculous coverage. <laughs> Amanda Platel, uh, one of their columnists, she had, uh, a, well, her column was, it is beholden on us women to bring Nicola Sturgeon down. And the whole Brilliant. point, that was actually <laughs> what it was. Fantastic. So like, you know, real girl power there, like sisters together. The sisterhood is alive, yeah, and, is alive well. and well. Um, the offices of the Daily Mail. Did, can I ask, Sam, did, I mean, you got on, is it Twitter there, you got up, like, did she elaborate on that? Or did she say, Nicholas, she's a dick and I hate her, and why is that? No, she did, she did elaborate on it. It was the same, it was the 
it was kind of the standard conservative line in that you know she's a she's the biggest danger to the UK that there's been in years kind of thing because of the fact that she's looking to break up the um, break up the union. It's the same peddled line that she, you know she would be able to pull the strings of a weak Labour uh, government to have to diminish the UK's defence, to increase public spending at a time when, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was all just yeah. a total, like, it's Daily Mail, but it's yeah. a total kind of... It's, it's brilliant, because the... Uh, SMP-ocalypse yeah. that the Daily Mail loves. The, the thing is about that is it's kind of, it's right-wing for the sake of being right-wing, and it's kind of, it's... Cutting your nose off to spite your face, almost, like, with, in terms of like you know women's rights and stuff like that. Like I've seen it again. I mean, I use the states. It's, it's not really that relevant, but it, it kind of. If you're, there's someone's famously said, if you're a Republican and you're a woman, you're a moron, right? Because they they actively don't want women to get the same mm-hmm. rights as men, and they actively do this and they actively do that, and then you get someone like. What's her name? Patel. Uh, Amanda Patel. Patel. She like. What are you talking about? You're just kind of. You're not doing yourself any favours. You're actively attacking someone who's mm. who you really should be a big fan of, just purely for political reasons. Interestingly, in what you said there about them being right wing almost for the sake of it, Amando Minucci is running a series of columns on the Guardian, and he wrote one, and it was about uh, the Great Bastard, which is sort of head of conservative kind of like press policy or approach. And essentially the idea is that conservatives just they, they pay this guy so much money they just have to commit to what he, he says they should yeah, do and do they've now switched to just demonising the SNP and Nicola Sturgeon in particular and that, that'll be their approach because they're so fo- I can't even mind the guy's name now but essentially he's their head of, I don't want to say their head of press he's like head of their he's uh, like their Malcolm uh, Tucker yes yeah, essentially yeah. I so he's throwing so, and this guy is the great bastard, but the conservatives throw so much money at this guy to say things that when he says, oh, I, I do this, because this, this will help. So this is why we've seen their lines change a little bit. It's like Mr, what's his name? Mr Axelrod, the Labour American, the guy who worked on Obama's campaign, and then Ed Miliband's team drafted him over. He's yes. on a crazy salary. Yeah. I want to say his name, he's something Axelrod, because yeah, I think it is. And to extent, these guys have paid so much money that as a party, you can't then not do what they tell you to do. And that's why we've seen the... The, the Nicola Sturgeon demonising thing emerge because that's then going right we've got to do this because this guy said let's do this yeah. maybe, maybe it'll work for them maybe it won't but I think that's we've been insight into the way the traditional parties work as well and the, the, it's not even so much that they're not imagined enough to come up with things just they pay somebody else and that person's not imagined enough and then they're just they've spent so much money they're committed to that regardless of to how effective yeah. it is yeah. and I would kind of like the idea that parties if they realise their approach wasn't effective to try and change up I don't mind people making mistakes as long as they realise it and try and fix it. But I f- sometimes feel, or I feel after having read that and thinking about it, that that's probably true of certainly Labour and the Conservatives. Don't know so much about Lib Dems, we've never really seen them fight yeah, yeah. for a, a place in government again like they have just now. It's, it's an odd, but interestingly, like, I mean, the Conservatives are taking this line of anti SNP, like, very obviously, I think we would say. But there was that whole thing a couple of weeks ago about the SNP were or Sturgeon in particular was supposed to have said famously that oh, she the wants, they they want a conservative government. So if and that was all obviously proved to be bollocks. But nonetheless, if a conservative government came into Westminster, that would be good for SNP. So surely, I can't. I just, if they're going to attack her, she'd be like, okay, 
I just can't. literally has no effect on me. It's actually for my benefit that what? you're attacking me. I can't see how the SNP can really lose at this election because let's say, well, it's very unlikely that anybody's going to get a majority, but let's say somehow the Conservatives get enough seats and then they get, they're able to put a coalition together and they're in power. That's five years the SNP get to be like, oh, another party we, you know, we we didn't vote for here in Scotland and you yeah. know and, the, and then surely that then sets up really nicely for the um, well they won't I, she's already I see Sturgeon's ruled out an uh, indie vote in the next five years but I would be surprised if for the 2021 Scottish yeah. Parliament elections it's not back on the on the agenda yeah. there particularly if they've had a Conservative government in fact that might be easier Again, for them yeah, exactly. because if it's a Labour government and they do go in on even if it's on a vote by vote basis if it works well, it's difficult to justify. Yeah, if it works well, people will be like, "Well, that actually was all right. Let's just do that yeah. again." So, really, are the are the you know are they as anti-Tory as they make out? On on principle, yes, but like when it actually comes down to politics, I don't think they are. No, yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it's, so basically, yeah. have we uh, have we had the exclusive the winner of the election as in fact the SNP? <laughs> I just don't see how they lose. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, unless, well, obviously they could lose if if these poll projections don't come off. But let's be honest. Vote for the other guy, I can't. One poll about two weeks ago put it at forty nine percent of of Scots that they surveyed were going to vote SNP. That's like unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So they're, 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 they've got to be like, oh well, we've got this one. Done. Yeah, done. Um, well, and actually, to the credit, they are still campaigning pretty well. Even with that, they're not sitting back in their laurels and going, "That we're done." Which was traditionally Scottish Labour's approach, because Labour politicians got in in Scotland. Do you know what I mean? Because the, yeah. the uh, oh, I can't remember his first name, but Cowan, down our way, his leaflets come through the door every other day, there's stuff in the paper and that about him, like he's still, we're, we're possibly a seat that's going to be marginal, but they're still pushing for it, even though there's a good chance he might get it, they're not going, ah, there's a good chance he'll get it, sit back, just wait for three yeah. weeks. Whereas I... I don't remember Scottish Labour ever really putting much effort in down where I'm from, mm. anyway. And I've not seen much until I think some stuff came through the door this morning. Yeah, they probably all went in overdrive. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, the, the one thing about the SNP that you could say, again, like, if you disagree with the policies, then that's fine. But they are, you know, up and coming and they're ready for a fight and they also, they're well drilled and stuff and they know what they're talking about. Sturgeon especially. She's a good, a good machine, aren't they? She's a good speaker. She knows what she's talking about. You, you don't catch her off guard much, you know, and it's, and I think that's that's partly why the Conservatives might, you know, if they're shooting themselves in the foot maybe, but they're frightened of her. I mean, like, I think my parents were down south they were reading the Daily Mail. They told me about the headlines and stuff. They're, the English papers are attacking Sturgeon, like just balls out going for her. But most of them are right-wing press, though, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're right-wing press, but I think, first of all, they're frightened of her. Second of all, she might have a point about a lot of the stuff, so they're actually like scared that people are going to sit up and think, I think she, even what, she's talking sense. I think I read in Gleanslade's blog this morning that, again, there's two different editorials for Daily Mail, depending on whether they're in Scotland or England, and the one in England is scathing, and it's proper SNP apocalypse yeah. stuff about we need Nicholas Sturgeon down. The one... Uh, in Scotland, I think is essentially, you know, don't don't vote SNP. It's not good, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But even in, in that, although why why papers seem to insist on this when it's so easy for anybody to find out what the other editorial so, was? So out of date, and they, they just lost the plot entirely. I mean, 
but maybe that's a that's a privileged thing, and the people like us who are looking for it and have access to the internet easily and all this kind of thing and free time, etc., to look it up, we can easily find it. Perhaps people that would be influenced by it don't have those resources or the time or the interest. So maybe it's like maybe we're underestimating through uh, something like the burden of knowledge. Well, my, my, sorry, I was I, I was actually just going to try and, to take it back to the debate. Yeah, the challenges debate. Yeah, back on top. Yeah, who, who would you, who would you, I'd be interested to know who you guys thought? You know how the media likes to give everybody likes to give somebody a winner. Yeah. Who, who would you think won? was the winner, and who would you think was the loser out of the challenges? Sturgeon debate? wins Sturgeon because she was excellent. Mm-hmm. The single issue fashion loses because he was the worst performer, and also he is a loser in every sense of the word. Oh. And it looks like he's going to lose his seat, and I or not win his seat because he's not even got it in the first place. He's going to lose it, and I cannot wait. I think uh, I'd. Probably go with with both the Callum's picks there. Sturgeon wins it because all the reason I just said she knows what she's talking about. She's a good speaker. Blah blah blah. Farage for me lost it purely because he's an idiot. But you you alluded to it earlier on, and I think after the after the debate, they had that half hour in the spin room as well. They were talking about Farage. He's not going out there to try and get more people. I think he knows he's not going to get a lot of people coming over to him, but he's bolstering his base. Mm-hmm. His base is very, very strong. Mm, he's got a clear identity. Yeah. At least, like, you know. yeah. And it's so not... Stephen said in the last podcast yeah. that the uh, Conservatives and Labour lack a, lack a really distinct identity from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas all the small parties have you, you distinct kept, They've got an identity, however ridiculous it might be. Like, I mean, they look like they've got a fucking hair on fire in a Zumba class, but they're just <laughs> ridiculous. But, like you said, the, the best illustration, I think, of of that is right at the end when everyone started to shake hands they were hugging and stuff and Faraz just stands there out on the side of the stage like he doesn't even know what he's doing well it's just because I don't think they would they, they would, he was the first person they wanted to uh, did anybody else notice at the end that everybody bar Faraj went up to shake hands with the audience uh-huh. uh, did he no. just walk straight off I didn't see that because the left the left wing bias BBC audience were ready to pounce well I saw something in the uh, paper today that apparently it wasn't I think it was the independent apparently the uh, audience wasn't actually as uh, as uh, kind of balanced as they'd made out yeah so they that did. was a major blunder from the BBC yeah but either way he was still yeah. being an arse I, I actually yeah. think the winner would have been David Cameron because he because all that would have happened, if for him not to be there, but you know, of course he's going to get t- attacked, and I don't agree that he wasn't there. I think it's you know, I, I know why he politically yeah. wasn't, but Miliband would have would would have needed to have a stormer, and he was okay. Miliband was fine, was so I think Cameron would have been sat at home in his one kitchen, uh, <laughs> and I think it's he would kitchen, have, but and he'd have been like, yep. Yeah, Pretty, pretty happy with this. Like, and you've seen that the polls haven't really changed no, for don't. ages now. I don't really think. I think if you're going to vote Labour or you're going to vote Conservative, you've probably made up your mind already. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, the, the two kind of main parties generally have that. Natalie Bennett, I, w- I would have given it as to, controversially to the the loss because although I thought Farage didn't do well afterwards, like I said, it doesn't seem to matter to his oh, yeah, support. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought she's. I mean, I I, I like the green greens in essence. But sometimes I just find them so airy fairy and just full of hot air that you're like, how is this gonna? Like she says, they're gonna build five hundred thousand homes in five years. Like that would have to be the best. That would be the fastest construction project ever in the United Kingdom's happened. You can't build half a million homes in five years. Like not without the, the like. The manifesto was about about fan, fantasy. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be inclined to. Agree. I, I just think she, I thought she's a, I, a bit of irrelevance. I don't know if they'll even get two I seats. Know, I I almost feel as if. 
Natalie Bennett knows her stuff and obviously behind the scenes and all that she works away at things and they've, they've got kind of fantastical ideas maybe that's just part of it because they go we're not in power so we're going to we're going to yeah. build, we're going to build a base on what we say we we'll want to build a solar powered spaceship yeah. yeah maybe why uh, not why not indeed. but I feel as if she's not as charismatic an orator or a leader as the rest of them I think you'd be right in that yeah, respect I think and they're actually she probably performed about as well as Farage. Mind making him a loser is based largely on my very strong political prejudices against him because he's a disgusting human being and I hate him. But I think what I would just add to that um, thing about the not portfolio, what do you call it? Manifesto, Green Manifesto, is that, I mean, this is going back to like the 80s and stuff. The, the new statesmen, Rick Mayo, Ambassador and stuff, they, they would take the piss out of the Lib Dems at the time because they were the marginal party. And they would say, like, they would get up in chambers and go, while we're all really, really nice people, we've got absolutely no idea how to run a country. And I think that kind of sums up the Greens quite well. Because they've got great ideas, but, like you say, half a million homes in five years? Where, where the fuck? Like, what? Yeah. How? How on earth is that going to happen? Just when you mentioned Love Dems, I saw a great cartoon in the, the Times the other day. I think it was the Times. picture it was. Um, Aye. So there's a picture of 10 Downing Street and on the doormat is a picture of Nick Clegg's face because <laughs> he is both a doormat that can be walked over and also potentially the gatekeeper to number 10. I thought that worked on a couple of levels. I was really quite pleased with that. And it works on another level as well because he didn't quite get into number 10 either. He's just outside. <laughs> he would potentially be a big loser in my eyes actually because he didn't even get mentioned. Yes. Yeah, no, that's... I mean, it, Not even mentioned. It kind of rings true. And then his argument, the post-debate uh, uh, post argument was, oh, the Lib Dems, Clegg was up for it, the Lib Dems said, but David Cameron blocked us. So what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what... Daddy Cameron <laughs> stopped you. It just didn't help. Yeah, they're no. just, but they'll do whatever they can to get, um, you know, yeah. to get their. I'm sure they'll get into a coalition government somewhere. Right. Because yeah. they'll be whatever yeah. you want them to be. <laughs> but I mean, we they're, just, they're just like you see those masks you used to get in like rubbish, like you know, art projects, the kind of Japanese ones, the white ones, and then you would just paint your individual yeah, slides on. Sure. That's that's what the Love Dems are, yeah. and you can paint it blue or red depending upon. Who's in Downing Street? We, we've said this in, in the previous, probably the previous three podcasts. Like the Lib Dems are pretty much irrelevant now because they shot themselves in the foot. They're like, we want to be in power so much, where we'll go with the Tories, which should be their polar opposites in policy, and now it isn't because they just do whatever the fuck they will get them into number ten. Yeah, I think we're, we're on. Uh, we'll move on. 